and welcome back to episode two of NAMT Radio. I'm excited to be back. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence, NAMT member and very proud mentor in the Lighthouse Leadership Project. More of that in upcoming episodes. Uh, Episode two is all about advocacy. And I want to bring in two guests, uh, Chris Way, President-elect NAMT, and Juan Cardona. Guys, welcome. Rob, thank you for having us. So, uh, long time no see, but uh, let's just start off by asking you guys to give us a little bit of a backstory, a bio, an introduction, who you are, where you are now, and what you're doing within the association. Let's start with you, Chris. Thank you, Rob. Uh, Well, proud NAMT member for a long time. I've been on the board of directors for a while. Uh, Started out as a Region 3 director, then was at large, and then was the treasurer, and uh, recently got elected as president-elect and looking forward to the next uh, few years of cycling through that. Uh, my day job is as the uh, fire chief and paramedic in uh, for Kootenai County Fire and Rescue in Idaho. Uh, we are a, a fire service-based EMS provider and uh, have been involved in EMS and the fire service for 31 years at this point. Juan, over to you, sir. Hello, everyone. My name is Juan Cardona. I am uh, one of the two directors for Region 2 for the National Association of EMTs. I am here today to talk about advocacy. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my day job is I'm the current EMS division chief with the Coral Springs Parkland Fire Department in South Florida. Again, happy to be here. Thank you, Rob. So coming to you first, Chris, uh, advocacy. Why should the guy on the ambulance, on the fire truck, in the station actually care about this? Well, I think uh, I think that's a great question. And I think most people, uh, you know, show up to work and, and are there for the, all the right reasons to take care of the patient, deliver excellent patient care, deliver good service, but uh, never forget that people somewhere, someplace are making the rules that we all have to live by and follow. And whether it's at your local level, your state level, and state politics really play a role into what we do as EMS providers and the federal level as well, uh, those folks who may have no... EMS knowledge or experience are the ones making the rules that we all then have to follow. And so I really feel like us being involved at all three of those local, state, and federal levels is really a key to, to having successful organizations, successful careers, successful the ability to successfully care for the patients that we're charged with saving. And so what can these people actually do, though? That's, a, that's also a great question because that se- seems very simplistic what I just said, but it's probably a little more challenging than that. But I think the first thing is getting involved and getting involved at your local and state and federal levels isn't as difficult as you might think. It's just being involved. The first step is figuring out who your local, state, and federal legislators are. And so uh, that's a really key piece of it so that you can know who you have to advocate with. I will, uh, a little plug for the NAMT website here, the NAMT website has the ability to show you who your state and federal legislators are. So if you don't know, uh, that's the first step in advocate in advocacy is learning who who to advocate to. But I do think that uh, you also have to know what you're advocating about. So educating yourself about current bills, whether it's at the state or federal level, current legislation that's being proposed. Uh, really does matter because what what I think everybody gets an EMS and then finds a passion. Uh, Juan mentioned earlier that you know he was really passionate about education and that's how he got involved in NAEMT. I probably got involved as I said because of the advocacy. 
But I think the further, the next step kind of in that is recognizing what you're passionate about and the fact that you've got to advocate uh, for things that you're passionate about, you know about, and things that you can point that directly matter to you as, a, as an EMS provider. So let's pick up on that. So identify who your locally elected officials are. And then, in fact, do some research because certainly every t- everyone that I deal with, I go into their backstory and you may well find they might be healthcare professionals or officials. They may well be ex-firefighters or even in some cases at the local level, current firefighters, current EMTs, current medics, etc. Understand that so that when you tell your story, they can relate to you your lot or our lot. And of course, they might want to assist and help. And so there's a little bit more homework, I think it's fair to say, that to be done as well. You're, you're absolutely right. And I would tell you, I mean, it's almost then going and finding champions for EMS. I can tell you that uh, currently, you know, I, I was just, I spent, I've spent some time in Boise this week uh, advocating on the state level. And I can tell you that one of the things that we're really looking for is the champions in the House and the Senate you know, we have a couple of nurses who, who advocate, you know, who are easy to advocate to. We, uh, we have a couple of, uh, healthcare administrators that are easy to advocate to. And so it's finding those people who can champion your causes. And I would say it's the same on the federal level. Uh, we're fortunate in that in the state of Idaho, uh, Senator Crapo, Senator Mike Crapo is one of our U S senators. His daughter, uh, is a, as an emergency room physician, but she also did an EMS fellowship. So finding somebody like that who it's easy to talk to, easy to connect with and have something in common with gets you get your foot in the door to begin having those conversations about EMS and how important EMS is. So after the break, we're going to come back and talk a bit more in detail about EMS on the Hill. But the first question first is, what is NAMT passionate about? What are the big ticket items? What are those things that we are advocating for? I mean, do you want to lead off with that one on, on the, the current agenda? Yeah, so we, we've been advocating for a lot of issues that are that, that are pressing, that are major, that have become uh, extremely important for us to focus on. Now we just we're just getting out of a pandemic, and we we, we saw what COVID did uh, in terms of in terms of you know the profession in general, mental health of uh, EMS responders, you know, and in general responders. Um, you know, what, what, what's happening with supply chain issues, what's going on with the uh, paramedic shortage throughout the country. It, it's hard right now to find um, people that are willing to work as EMS providers uh, for many reasons. You know, one of them being the, the, the low wages that they will be subjected to have to, um, uh, you know, to live on. And, and, and those are all issues that, that should concern everybody. Now, there are parts of the country where some of these issues may not be as prevalent. But um, as, as you go through your career, as you become a local leader and then at the state level and then, and then you become known nationally, then you, you have a, a responsibility to use your platform to be able to uh, advocate for others. And when I say others, I mean the profession in general. EMS, uh, the, the problem seems to be the, the same everywhere. Uh, that's the reality to, to, to some higher or, or lower degree in some parts. But um, definitely the, the issues are, are overall the same. There, there are some things that we're going to be advocating, and the EMS on the Hill is coming up at, at the end of March, and we'll talk about that a little more in detail. But that's a great opportunity for us to be able to bring this message. But just like Chris was saying, you know, there's so much that we can do at the local level, at the state level, by recognizing those, those uh, uh, key players that we need to talk to and and uh, educate in, in all matters related to EMS so to be able to get the, their support. 
In particular, for example, the president's just announced the end of the public health emergency. We have enjoyed certain changes, I guess, to the way that we do business. And NAMT, amongst many other national associations, actually want to preserve some of those uh, those rights and awards, right, Chris? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the thing, we can't uh, what's the old saying, never let a good disaster go to waste. And I think this is, this is no different is that we have to look at the, the way COVID changed us. And for a long time during COVID, uh, people felt like it was changing us negatively, but I think we have to look for the opportunities that we found. And we certainly can't look, I, I can't find an EMS agency that's still practicing and, and doing providing EMS the same way they did before March of 2020. If you, I mean, whether it's, is, you know, simple changes or more complex changes, like where you're transporting patients or how you're getting paid or, or the role you play in your community, it's changed. And so we have to go be able to find those things that have worked well and advocate for being able to do them permanently. I, but, but I think one of the important points to that is that we have to have data. We can't just tell anecdotal stories. So we can't say, hey, we did a good job in, in COVID and, and we were really important. And so let us do what we want to do. I think we have to be able to go back and say, look, we reduced hospital admissions through the ER by going and treating in place. And, but, but we weren't paid for that. So we need to be paid for that or, or alternate, alternate destination transport. I mean, I know that that really took off in some communities. And I think the one thing about EMS and, probably why this is so important to advocate on a local and state level as well is, and I think Juan hit it, it, it's EMS is not the same. It's individualized to the community you're providing it in, whether you're, whether you're career or volunteer, whether you're what, what delivery model I, I tell anybody that will listen, it's not the delivery model you choose. It's the effort you choose to put into your delivery model that matters to your community. Um, and so when we look at things like that in EMS and we go to advocate, we really have got to look at what worked well, why it worked well, and do we have data to support why it worked well when we go, whether it's to our state officials or whether it's to our federal legislators, to be able to say these are the things that must continue so that we continue to provide good and quality patient care. But let's drill into specifics, Chris. What are the the bills or the proposals or the initiatives that we are really pushing this year within an AMT? Obviously, we want to have a permanent fix to Medicare extenders. Um, I mean, I think we we always find ourselves coming back every year or two asking them to do another temporary extension, and and that's real money that matters to anybody that is providing EMS service. I think the other thing that we are really talking about. Uh, is uh, EMS counts, and that's looking at how many people are truly providing EMS in their communities on a national level all the time. Uh, we're looking at what legislation um, is going to pop between now and then. So we get together in, in Washington May 30th. We're in a new session. We've obviously got a new House, and the, the Senate remained uh, in the same control. But we, we have got to pay attention to what the House's priorities are and the Senate's priorities and then whether, whether we can marry those up. But those are the two that stick out facing front to me right now is that we've got to fix the Medicare situation so that it's permanently aligned and we've got to absolutely get EMS counts done. Uh, the, the other one would be the SIREN Act, reauthorizing the SIREN Act. Uh, we got it up to, uh, you know, we increased it by a few million dollars last year, but we want to make sure that that's real, that provides uh, aid for rural EMS providers, whether it be equipment or training, uh, really important. But looking at, at how that's 
grown and whether or not we can make that more impactful to more EMS providers in the United States. Great. Uh, Part of my job as your host is to translate some of that for folk that are listening. So forgive me for doing this. Siren, of course, is supporting and improving Rural EMS Needs Act. That's that's vitally important. The EMS Counts Act, and I find it amazing that uh, we don't really know how many people are doing the business that we're in live and for real. Um, We do know that there is just shy of uh, 15,000 registered EMS uh, delivering organisations across the country but we don't know who's working within them. We don't know who's got a certification and is practicing. And I think this is vitally important just to, again, you, you talked a lot about data already, Chris, but if we don't know, it's, it's Rumsfeld theory. We know what we don't know. And that's worrying, right? Oh, terribly. I mean, I, I, Juan and I are both perfect examples of that. People that work in a fire-based EMS system are not counted under the current Department of Labor uh, piece. And so, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that the 90 folks that are providing EMS today in my organization are uh, should be counted. I, I They do a great job every day, but the way the rules are currently written, it's not important. And so we've got to get everybody because there are people providing EMS in communities and, and some are doing it on ambulances. Some are doing it in different, different ways. But uh, I, I think anybody that's providing out of hospital or pre-hospital medicine needs to be able to be counted in the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Excellent. And, you know, continuing the theme, Juan, I mean, you're doing some pretty advanced stuff uh, in, in your area, along with the good uh, Dr. Antevi. I mean, CMS waivers, right? So we're coming to the end of the public health emergency. So as you've already said, Chris, treatment treatment in place, alternative destination, telemedicine, taking the, right, the patient to the right place at the right time, in the right time. If all of that is wiped away, it might actually prohibit you doing what you've really excelled at doing, right, Juan? So, so yeah, you mentioned one of the, one of the uh, results of the pandemic was the, the uh, strengthening in, in terms of being able to provide care uh, utilizing telemedicine. But there are, there are parts of the country in which telemedicine is not properly, properly legislated to, for it to be allowed to be used as a, as a, as a, as a practical tool in providing type of, type of care. Um, there, there was some progress made through the pandemic, and Florida is one of those states in which we're still working on trying to figure out a way to, to be able to provide those services and get reimbursed for them. Uh, you are right. Things are happening in, in the southeast of the U.S. and like many parts of the country where these efforts are being pushed. But these these kinds of efforts require uh, require a lot of a lot of support and a lot of uh, advocacy, which is what Chris and I are doing by trying to bring this message nationally, so that so that we can make it easier also for 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 other uh, leaders in, in in other states of the in the country to be able to bring this message to their uh, legislators and try to convince them to facilitate these things to happen. Like I said, telemedicine is is, is one of those. Uh, big examples. We, we see what's happening with the supply chain. Right now, it's hard to get parts for the repair an ambulance, for example. I mean, it's happening all over the country. Yep. And I read these news reports where, you know, a, a local uh, county government say, yes, we're going to buy two new ambulances. And I almost chuckle going, yeah, good luck with getting them this year. You know, and so there's some issues there we need to uh, we need to address and, and help out. Um Let's just plug uh, the Grassroots Advocacy Guide, which is produced by NAMT, and we'll put that in the show notes. It's on the website, and it will give everybody the opportunity to read up about uh, how to join us in promoting and pushing and 
gaining change if change is necessary for some of these bills. Before we go any further, we're just going to stop for a mid-show read and talk about the Mental Health Resilience Officer class offered by NEMT. Hey, I'm McCara Trusty. I am not only an NAEMT member, I'm also a, a member of the Lighthouse Leadership Committee. And I would like to talk to you about the MHRO course. NAEMT, with support from FirstNet, built with AT&T, has developed a course to assist EMS agencies in building and supporting the mental health resilience of their personnel. The Mental Health Resilience Officer, or MHRO, course prepares EMS personnel to serve as their agency's mental health resilience officer. In this role, the MHRO will engage with peers to develop an understanding of mental health issues and resilience, identify peers who are experiencing mental health stressors and crises, navigate peers in need to the right services for help, and support the development of a culture of mental health resilience and emotional wellness within the agency. Available online and in a classroom format. And when your agency signs up for NAEMT membership, they will receive free access to this critically important course. For more details, contact membership at naemt.org or follow the links in the show notes. Thank you, uh, Makara, for reading that for us. Uh, We're back on episode two of NAMT Radio, and I have with me my guests, Chris Way and Juan Cardona. We talked about advocacy in the round, focusing now zeroing in on NAMT on the Hill, which takes place on Thursday. March 30th, 2023, uh, at the National Capital, but also uh, being accommodated at the Crystal Gateway Marriott in Arlington, Virginia. What's the general plan for the day, Chris? Well, the the first piece of it is uh, obviously the evening before March 29th, where we uh, host host a reception and and do a welcome reception, but also do a little bit of a talk about the importance of advocacy and and what specifically we're going to talk about the next day. Uh, and we allow the states to kind of team up and figure out who you're going to be going around with. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, we try to group states together and, and like geographic regions, if they have a small uh, group coming together, we may pair a couple of states together so they can help each other out. Um, but that's going to be uh, that Wednesday, or yeah, that Wednesday night, uh, March 29th from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m., as you said, at the Marriott Crystal Gateway. And then we hit the ground running. And uh, the other piece of the Thursday evening is you'll get your assignments of times in the various offices. So we'll all get our assignments of what time we're supposed to go to what office and who we'll be meeting with, whether we will actually be meeting with our congressional member or whether we'll be meeting with their staff. So that all takes place Wednesday night. And then Thursday, we hit the ground running. We, uh, you know, some people will uh, have early morning meetings and then meetings sparse throughout the day. If you've not been there, I think just the opportunity to get to go to the U.S. Capitol and and participate in that is a is an awe inspiring uh, experience to say the least. And then you'll go and you'll meet with your your various offices and you'll meet hopefully with your member of Congress. I actually flew on a plane with my representative on uh, Sunday. And he said, hey, when are you going to come back to Washington? And I said, funny you should say that because I'm coming back uh, at the end of March. And so I think the more we can get to know those folks and and get with them is the easier we have that ability to get in and meet with them. But those meetings will take place all day on the 31st and or on the 30th of March. And then we have a wrap up that evening and a reception that evening uh, 
afterwards back at the crystal i believe it's at the crystal gateway as well so let's just drill back into the mechanics of that so when you guys apply listening out there to come on to emt on the hill what you do is you put your home address up and then that then goes is fed into the system that will formally identify your locally elected official or your federally elected official should i say and that then gets you paired into a group and they then book time with those people because you are their constituent you are the person let's face it that put them there and so we want to put you in front of the person that you put into office and it's not just about one-to-ones chris i mean we go around as almost as a, as a, as a group as a mob and they get to see everybody proudly in their uniforms right absolutely i mean i think it's it's showing that uh showing that you have a strong state contingent and and people in all areas of the state are concerned about uh ems and and advocating there for ems and so uh you're absolutely correct is that it, it, it's been an opportunity. I'll speak only for myself for a second. It's been an opportunity for us to build a strong coalition from our state because we're already getting together now a month and a half beforehand and talking about the importance of the of the event and how it's going and who's going to who's going to be there and hey, let's have a let's have a dinner one night with just the folks from our state that are there. And so some of that stuff's happening and so one of the unintended benefits I think is that it also builds a stronger group of folks that are advocating with a collective message. Indeed. And uh, thanks to my travels, I've been the Virginia rep lead one year and then the California rep lead another year. So I've had a chance to do that. And you're absolutely right that the networking opportunity is amazing. Uh, you may well find that not only will you have federal uh, advocacy interests, you'll also find you've got state level interests as well. And that can also help you get your state um, legislation taken care of as well. So one, we've now got to the door of the elected your elected official's office. You enter. What should you expect? So, so remember the the night before EMS on the Hill is a crucial uh, moment to get together, to get your assignment, to get to get into your groups, and then you have time to start formulating uh, how you're going to bring up the different strategies, that well, the different the different issues and ideas to to your elected official. Once you are at the Capitol and you're in front of their office, you walk in. They're going to invite you in, whether it's uh, you know the, the, the member of. Of, uh, of Congress themselves or one of their aides who specializes in, in EMS or uh, medical issues in general. And they're going to give you an opportunity to state your case. And we go in there with a, with a prepared message. We go in there with a, with a plan so that, the, um, so that we're precise, concise, and efficient in delivering the message. It's important to talk about data briefly. It's important not to over-talk and, or, to, or to try to uh, over-explain the message. The idea is to be as brief and as and as uh, clear as possible, those meetings could, could last from a, a couple of minutes to up to about twenty minutes, maybe thirty, depending on how much time the uh, the uh, congressperson has. Uh, but you could you could end up having a very productive and very uh, and very uh, you know informal meeting in some cases, and still be able to get your message out and 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 give give them the opportunity to ask questions, and you are answered questions to the best of your ability, and uh, you support each other as a team of three, four, or five people, however many have been assigned to that that um, elected official. And uh, and then you walk to, to, to your next uh, meeting. And, and it, it's a, you know, it's a pretty long day. It, it, it's a lot of going to different places. But at the end of the day, the satisfaction levels are pretty high because everyone everyone can feel that they were able to get their messages out. And that's, and that's what uh, the goal is in the end. 
and I've certainly found one sort of way to really get to, into their heart is to, even though we're on the hill, we're doing federal stuff, is to localise the story. If it's about can't get an ambulance because of spare parts or, or chips or whatever, if it's about can't recruit enough people, if you're in the senator's office or the, the elected official's office, really localise that story, right, Chris? Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, I think, never forget that they live where we live. They... Uh, one of the things that I find amazing all the time is, you know, when they really don't know a lot about EMS, but they're always interested and they're interested to hear things like how many times you truly do respond to, to their fellow citizens a year. Uh, one of the things that I've found in EMS is, you know, we take care of 10 to 12 percent of the population uh, annually through EMS. And when they hear that, that's impactful that they know that the fellow Idahoans in my case, or fellow Floridians in Juan's case, or Californians in your case, when they figure out that 10 to 12% of those folks are, are using our services and depend on us to provide some of their health care on an annual basis, that's impactful. And so the, I think what you find, and I think the first time we were all probably intimidated walking in the office, but I think what you find is uh, they put on their pants the same way we do. They, they often have... Uh, regular jobs. I mean, or, or before they were elected, uh, they had jobs very similar to ours uh, or, or some, you know, certainly were in the workforce. And I think connecting with them and, and forming the relationship. And I would tell you, it develops over time. The first time I met the representative, uh, did we hit it off? Did we exchange cell phone numbers? No. Do we have those things now? Yes. Do we see each other at an airport and give each other a hug now? Yes. I mean, so it, it's developing the relationship and doing that over time. And so it's getting our feet in the door. It's, it's talking about these folks. It's making sure that we establish those relationships. Great. That's a great answer. And uh, don't forget, everybody, that once you've got their ear, invite them back to see you at your location. Don't just go to see them on the hill because inevitably there will be a day of the week or a day every couple of weeks where they're back in the district. And so take that opportunity to invite them over. I'm sure you guys have, have, have hosted these type of visits from the, you met them on the hill and you've had them back when you get home, right? Uh, oh, absolutely. I, a couple of things, you make a great point. And I, so a couple of things is you should become their resource for EMS. Build that relationship so that when they see the word EMS come across their desk or in a, whether it's in a bill or whether it's in a discussion, you need to be their person that they call. You should be their EMS resource. That's how advocacy works. And the other piece, exactly right, Rob, is when they're back in your community, because they all come back, they, they all spend time here. I, I love it when they pick us out of a crowd and go, hey, chief, how's it going over there? And, you know, I mean, hey, that gives us credit for our, to our other elected officials. It, it really, uh, you know, it makes people feel confident in what you're doing. And I, I really feel like that those uh, opportunities, you know, it's hard to quantify what that means, but boy, that's so important. Absolutely. So while I'm coming back to you, right, I've got you through the door. I've got you sitting at the table. You're expecting to have an audience with the senator or with the congressman, and it's a staffer. Should we uh, be upset, or how would you? How should we treat that? 
No, I mean, we have to realize that, uh, you know, they are busy. They have a lot of things that they have to worry about. They have to have things that are levels that, that, that we don't get to uh, uh, get a taste for. And, and if a staffer is the only person that's available for us to talk, then we would treat them as we, we would treat the, uh, the congressperson, the elected official, because they're going to be able to gather that message. And I think it's more important at that point to be able to bring a message across in the most efficient manner so that, again, this person has – uh, all the facts, all the information, uh, they're going to take notes. I've seen them taking notes attentively, uh, very carefully, uh, because they want to they want to send the right message. They want they want to show also that they they did their diligence in terms of being able to to gather information from you. So don't, that should never be a deterrent. Uh, go in there with confidence. Uh, talk to them with respect. Be aware of, of 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 their time as well, and get your message out. That's it. That's a perfect answer. And I was just going to follow up with that. Of course, who do you think writes the elected officials' briefings? Who do you think controls their calendar? Who do you think tells them, you know, for many, for many hours of the day, what's going on, what's happening? So you're talking actually to the person that has the ear and possibly even writes the script for some of these people. So if you get the staff member, don't be upset, actually, because you're talking to the horse's mouth. And so remember that. And uh, again, I say this from experience because I've had people go, oh, I was expecting Senator so-and-so when I got I got such and such. doesn't matter because that person yeah. is in the office, in the centre, and probably, dare I say, sometimes in control. And so don't forget that. Now, we've, we've had a great session. We've had a lot, a lot of interaction. We've invited them back. They said they're going to come. Um, what should we do before we leave? And what should we do after we've left, guys? So I'm going to go first, uh, uh, exchange information, open your doors, remind them where you are, remind them. Chris said it best, become their EMS resource, uh, make yourself available, uh, you know, invite them to ride along with, your, with you and your department, uh, invite them to an event. If you happen to put an event, let's say you do any kind of uh, award ceremony, let's say you do any kind of event to, uh, uh, to you know, to collect funding for uh, cancer prevention, invite them over. Uh, tell them how great it will be to have them there. And they're going to love that opportunity, too, to come and, and, and be involved with the fire department and show their face in front of the community saying, hey, you know, we're, we're here in partnership with with your public servants. And, and, and that is important for, for them as well. D- definitely, definitely uh, be friendly. Uh, open those doors and 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 give them uh, every opportunity for them to want to talk to you. To me, that's probably the key message. Once you're ready to leave their office, excellent. And also, everyone's got an iPhone. Every iPhone has a camera. Take lots of pictures. Get a photograph with the staff. Get a photograph of the team. Um, keep it a for your own memories, because for many people, it's a great opportunity just to walk the halls of uh, of Capitol Hill. Um, it's great PR for your own organization. And of course, if you then tag and attach and mention those elected officials, it will be good for them too. So everybody's a winner. How should we follow up with them though, Chris? Well, I think uh, there's a couple of ways. So so while you absolutely want to get FaceTime with the member, the people that do the real work are probably their staffers. So making sure that those staffers who deal with EMS or medicine or in different offices do it different ways but you making sure you get the contact information for that staffer is important. And you walking in with several business cards, and I realize that's so 1995 of us to have business cards still, but that's that's really important. That's the three of us laugh because we probably still all have business cards. Uh, but uh, leaving those behind, and then I immediately send follow up emails as well. I I get back to my office, you know, in the next couple of days. And I immediately fire off some thank you emails just to say, 
But dear staffer, it was so nice to see you again. We so appreciate your your spending 20 minutes with us on Thursday. And hey, just as a reminder, here are the things we talked about. And please, please, please know that if you have anything that you need to ask or if you have any questions about these specific bills, let me be your resource. I just keep reminding them that I want to be their resource for EMS. Actually, you, I drew the right answer out of you there, Chris. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, do follow up. Um, I also have to say that uh, it's actually official that nobody outlives the business card for the appointment that to that business card says, by the way. You've got business cards from way back when. So why not take them with you and give them away? Uh, get in touch uh, with everybody up there. So that's pretty cool. We've kind of just gone around uh, the, the top tips. And once again, NAMT has an EMS on the Hill welcome guide, which again, we'll put in the show notes. It's also on the website, so you can open it up and read all about it. And it covers the headings that we've just talked about. Thank you very much for doing that. So we're almost on time. I ask the standard Rob ending question. Is there anything I haven't asked or anything you guys want to tell me? I just would like to encourage people to really uh, get involved. Again, whether, you know, we all start started out as novices, and I don't know that we're experts by any means, but several of us have been doing this for a lot of years at this point. But we all started out too, and it started for me on the local level and the state level, uh, and then moved to the national level. So get involved, be involved, know that advocacy is very important to what we do and how we do it. Um, And I I would just encourage you. And if you have the uh, ability to be there with us in Washington, D.C. on the 29th, 30th of uh, March, Gosh, we'd love to see you, and I'd I'd uh, I'd enjoy meeting you. What I would say is that is that to to echo uh, Chris's message is we always talk about you know we gather whether at the fire station or in the ambulance or any kind of event and we always kind of talk about the things that are pressing in our profession. Well, if, if we find that that that's that these things are are, are issues that we can. Um, try to find solutions to, or at least uh, bring them up to the to the proper people. In this case, legislators, administrators that can actually, um, uh, you know, do something about solving any of these issues. Then why not? By all means, you know, uh, start communicating that message. Uh, like I said, use use the right language. Be respectful. Uh, talk to people, and 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 you'd be surprised how you will become the voice of your local EMS community at some point, and then you'll be able to come up and and present a position that will benefit not only your area, but uh, who knows, maybe other parts of the country or the nation in general. So my uh, best advice is, again, don't think for a second, this is for everybody in EMS, don't think for a second that you cannot be an advocate. Everyone should be an advocate. And if we utilize our, our experience, our network, our ability to reach out and talk to the right people, uh, by all means, do it, and um, that, that's how we'll get somewhere. Remember that EMS, uh, uh, again, is not an essential profession, and it's not, uh, you know, we want to get paid if we transport. Well, we do a lot more than just transport sick people or injured people. We do way more than that. We need to be able to put our value out there so that we can be valued as a type of uh, professionals that we are. Well said, sir. So in summary, uh, you can catch all of the content we just talked about in the show notes or on the website. Of course, the main website is namt.org. Go to that. It's got an amazing reference. But look up the EMS on the Hill Day section, the EMS on the Hill Welcome Guide, and the Grassroots Advocacy Guide. It's all there for you to read and to take in. And as Chris said, we really hope you join us uh, at EMS on the Hill Day on Thursday, March the 30th, 2023, with a briefing on March the 29th, the night before, at the Crystal 
Gateway Marriott in Arlington, Virginia. And then, of course, we go across up onto the hill and we start uh, walking the halls. And my note on that is get your Fitbit set because you're going to have a 20,000 step day minimum. Right, guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, we got to design. You know, we'd all be millionaires uh, several times over if we designed comfortable, shiny uniform shoes. Yeah. Well, there's a plug for all you innovators out there. We need shoes that we can walk around the halls in. And uh, I think we're going to leave it there on that point uh, so people can start thinking about that. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's been an amazing episode, episode two. And uh, we hope to have you back on the EMS Radio podcast sometime soon. Thank you. Rob, thank you. And Juan, good to be with you again. And thank you, guys. Thank you, Chris or Rob, for, for, for having me today. Uh, we had a great time. Thank you. That was episode two. I've been Rob Lawrence. So we hope to see you in episode three sometime soon. And bye for now.